Father, thank you so much for this moment that you've blessed all of us to be in. I thank you, God, for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And I thank you, God, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and insight and knowledge and full access to heaven's resources to be a blessing to your people. And I decree up front that we're going to be much better going out than we were upon coming in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anybody better already since you've been at this conference? You just... You, you're getting tools and perspectives and insights and breakthroughs. And, and you know, in this last session, I got to tell you, I just really sensed that God was, was saving marriages, literally saving. Come on, somebody. I mean, he, I just felt that you can just tell when there is a radical shift, a directional shift, the trajectory of, of a marriage and a relationship was changing as a result of what took place. So many wonderful things. I thank God for for this conference, for, for any marriage conference, because marriage is, is so critical. It's everything, and you get on the wrong side of a marriage, and it can be the most depressing thing that you've ever experienced. And so anytime you, you see leaders that want to pour into to couples and into marriages, best believe that there is a blessing in the building. Anybody believe that? There, there's a blessing. This is holy ground. And I want to add to that a little bit. And, uh, and, you know, when I think about marriage, man, they're, they're, for, for me, uh, it, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, my wife is my best friend, and I'm, I'm so much better because of her. I mean, I mean, you think about the gift of marriage, companionship forever, love forever, all the, the things that, that marriage brings, all the gifts of marriage. But, but there is a gift an overlooked, an often overlooked gift of marriage that I want to talk about today, and quite possibly, it is the greatest gift of marriage. And that gift is who you get to become in the process of being marriage, married. What if, what if the greatest gift in marriage was not love? What if it wasn't the fact that you have a life partner, but what if the greatest gift of marriage is what marriage causes to be produced on the inside of you. What, what if marriage was about becoming who you and I have the privilege to become because of this unique thing called marriage? What if it was something that we were becoming that we couldn't become in any other context other than marriage? And that's what I want to submit to you today. If you're taking notes, write this down. Marriage is an institution of transformation. Marriage is an institution of transformation. One of the things that I've learned about God is that God not only wants you to be saved, he wants you to be whole. That, that's what he came for. He came to save you, but he also came to to make you whole. There's a passage in scripture that says, for this purpose, the son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works, plural, of the devil. And that's kind of heavy because what does it mean to destroy the works, plural, of the devil? I, I can see if he said to destroy the work of the devil, the sin, that, that makes sense. But the works, what he means by works is works have to do with the residual impact of sin. 
So we get saved and, and our soul is good. We accept Jesus Christ. We're going to heaven. We're good to go. But there's still damage. The way we see things, the way we engage, how we trust people, or oftentimes how we cannot trust. And so God not only wants us to be saved, but he wants us to be everything that he created us to be. And one of the things that God uses to develop us, to grow us, is this wonderful thing called marriage. Are you tracking with me? If you look at God's strategy, marriage is one of God's strategy to produce the best us, the best version of ourselves. Think about it. God creates man in his image, and then he immediately he creates the one relationship that challenges us to grow unlike any other relationship. There's no relationship on the planet that demands growth quite like marriage. If you're taking notes, write this down. You can't have a strong marriage without a strong you. You can't have a strong marriage without a strong you. You can't have a whole marriage without a whole you. A healthy marriage requires a healthy you. It all boils down to what I like to call the you factor. The you factor is a critical factor in marriage. And here's the good news. A God-ordained marriage is designed to produce a strong you. So how does this development take place? Let's talk about it. If you look at Proverbs 17, 17, there is a, a truth hidden right there in that text that I believe shows us how God uses marriage the marriage relationship to produce a version of ourselves that we would not be able to get to otherwise. Let's get to it. It says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And so you're looking at that right now and you're saying, Torre, I don't see anything at all about marriage in this text. Well, let me break down some of these words for you so it will help you out. When it says that word that was translated friend, when it says a friend loves at all times, it's not talking about a close friend. It's talking about an associate, someone that you are loosely acquainted with, right? Like somebody on your job, for example, right? It's easy to love somebody that you are loosely associated with. You don't have to go home with them. You don't have to balance a budget with them. Come on, somebody. You, you don't have to deal with, with some of the things that you have to deal with. There's some people right now, I'm going to be honest with you, that the only reason why you're connected to them is because you work at the same place. If you take away that opportunity to meet, you, your, your, your calendars are just synced each day because you work together. If you took that away, you guys wouldn't even be friends. So this, this, this passage, look, so it says... A friend, which is an associate, loves at all times. But a brother, it says, and a brother is born for adversity. That word brother, it can mean brother, but it really means a close relative. It is a widely used phrase. So it means somebody that you're actually in close proximity with. So this text is really about dealing with proximity and what takes place with varying degrees of proximity. Stay with me, this is gonna get real sweet for you. In one level of proximity, 
that is the associate level of proximity, relationship is easy. It's easy to be your friend when, you know, I see you at the grocery store and you're, you're, you're my favorite teller or whatever. It's easy. We, we meet at the gym and all of a sudden, man, he's so great. She's so great. But you don't even know them. You haven't spent time with them. You haven't seen any other aspect or dynamic of their lives. And so, so it's easy to love them. And that word love doesn't mean like deep love. It's not that, that type of love. It means like. So, so, so it's easy to like someone that you, are, that you are loosely associated with. It says, but a brother or this close relative, it says, is born for adversity. Is born. In other words, the purpose of this close relative, it is purpose. Watch this. To be confrontational at times. Um, I got to unpack this. The, the purpose, and this can relate, since that word literally means close relative, certainly a spouse is a close relative. Which means that, watch this, confrontation in marriage is ordained. Oh, I'm going to get to it. Oh, you, you, don't, you don't catch it, just a second. Somebody saying, that's what it is. <laughs> it's ordained. And we're going to unpack that. We're going to unpack it. Because here is the thing. Nothing worthwhile is shaped by ease. Nothing worthwhile is shaped by ease. And marriage is the one relationship where two people have to come together and there is something in that coming together that exposes things about you that you would never see single. That you would never see by yourself. One of the greatest blessings of marriage is what it reveals to you about you and how it forces you to stretch and to grow and to become. Are we tracking together? And so it's in this this close proximity, not the associate proximity. You, you, don't, you don't grow there, but it's in this close proximity of marriage where shaping begins to take place. That person, it says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is, is born for adversity. Didn't, that's that's kind of heavy to me. He's born, and that word born, interestingly enough, has the idea of to act as a midwife. So if you keep staring at this passage, it basically says that a person that you are loosely related to, loosely involved, and you're just, you're just associated with, you'll love at all times, but, but there's someone who is born to be confrontational in your life that just so happens to be a close relative, and that word born literally means midwife. And when I was staring at that, I'm like, God, what does this mean? That means that there's something in your spouse that will midwife a better person, a better version of who you are. I feel the Spirit of God. My wife is an incredible gift. She's an incredible gift to me. And she's added so much to my life. But what trumps what she has added to my life is what she has brought out of my life. Who I have had to be willing to become. And it's a me that I would not sign up for. I wouldn't sign up to 
to be this forgiving. I wouldn't sign up to be this, watch this, self-reflective. I wouldn't sign up. A man's ways, come on, you know the word. A man's ways are clean in his own eyes. So I have no, no motivation to change. Why change if things are clean in my own eyes? But, but see, what happens is when God blesses you with a spouse, you have in-house accountability. In-house accountability. Because at the end of the day, it's not what the masses say about me. It comes down to what she says about me. Because she knows the real me. Because we're not associates. We're close relatives. Can I take my time and, and unpack this thing? So it says a friend loves, an associate loves at all times. That's easy. But a close relative, a spouse, let me just, just put that in there for the, for the context of this. A spouse is born for adversity. That word adversity is a Hebrew word and it literally means tightness. It's tight. Anybody ever been in a tight spot in your marriage? Uh, you just stay, your wife is right there, your husband's right there, you just stay right there. Some of you are like, I'm in a tight spot right now, Pastor. I, I'm in a tight, it's tight over here, it's tight. That word, that word adversity means tightness. And it, the root word of that word that was translated tightness is the word sar, and it means, and this kind of kind of threw me off a little bit, but it means pebble or stone. So adversity means tightness. You get down to the root of that word, it means pebble or stone. It kind of puzzled me at first. And then I thought about the process of how a stone becomes smooth. And if you think about it, the stone doesn't become smooth all by itself. The stone becomes smooth because of the friction that it has with other stones in an environment, river, water, and some environment. And so, you know, David had, had these smooth stones and they, and they weren't smooth stones. I don't think that he just, that he found them smooth. Maybe he did, but maybe it was a metaphor to a certain degree. We know it was literal. Maybe it was, had to do with a metaphor about how he had so much friction in his life that the five stones that he possessed reflected what was cultivated through tension. Oh, I feel the spirit right there. Through tension. It, it is in the tension in your marriage. If you can navigate the God-ordained tension in your marriage, you will be a you well beyond anything you could ever dream of. Are you tracking with me? It's the friction and the tension in marriage. You ever heard a preacher at a, preacher's, at a marriage conference preaching about tension in your marriage? You ought to have some tension in your marriage. Doesn't that seem so awkward? Who says that at a marriage conference? Who encourages, not that you go after tension. I'm just talking about when you find yourself. Who glorifies tension in a marriage at a marriage conference? Torrey Thomas Roberts. Because there's something that happens in the tension if you know how to navigate it well that will create not only an incredible you, but an incredible marriage. Can we go further? So I want to give you some tools, and really they're thoughts, 
about how to navigate the tension. Has anybody ever had tension in their marriage before? <laughs> Wait, raise your hand if you are married. There we go. Now, honesty has swept the room. If you are married and have never had tension in your marriage, just keep being married. It's coming. It is on the way. I prophesy right now in Jesus' name. You're going to have healthy, God-ordained tension that's going to bring out the best of both you and your spouse. Are we tracking together? So let's, I got three tools, three thoughts, three ideas, three ways that I want you to, to consider tension because it's coming, it's coming, and it's here, and it's coming. Tool number one, and this is extremely important as it relates to marriage. And when you find yourself in tension, in a tight spot, don't give up before you grow up. Do not give up before you grow up. If you give up on marriage before you grow up, you miss the best part. The best part of marriage is growing up. Because here is the thing. Marriage requires change. I just want to keep my independence. I know I'm getting married, but I still want to be me. I'm telling you right now, you cannot be the you that you were when you get married. I'm going to be straight up with you. Well, I, listen, I, you know, and we hyphenate the names, and that's wonderful, and that's fine, all that kind of stuff. And you can do whatever as long as you don't hyphenate your identity. You, you, when you become married, there is a requirement of change. You have to change. You have to change just to be able to facilitate the relationship. There is no other marriage, there's no other relationship like marriage. Marriage is so unique that the scripture says, for this cause, a man leaves. Watch this. He leaves from cleaving to his parents to now cleaving to his wife. For this cause, for this, for this purpose, for this cause. In other words, the only green light you have, the only thing that gives you permission to leave one shaping and to move into another shaping is marriage. There's nothing, there's nothing like it. Why? Why? Because, because why leave the parents? Why do I have to, for this cause, to leave my, to leave and cleave? Because... When what you are leaving, you were once cleaving to. And anything you cleave to shapes you. Oh, I'm teaching today. I'm, I know I'm teaching. Anything that you're connected to, anything that you cleave to, shapes you, defines you, develops you. That, that's why when God was getting ready to move Upon Abraham, he told him, first and foremost, before me and you do this thing, you're going to have to leave your father's house to a land that I will show you. He was stepping into a new dimension of shaping for his purpose and his destiny. The only reason why he had to leave was for the benefit of shaping. So when God tells Adam... And he says, for this cause, leave, it's because I know that you were shaped by your parents, and that's wonderful. But there's another dimension of you that I cannot get out of you until you cleave to your wife. If you get married and don't change, something's wrong. You have to. How can you cleave? How can you become one? 
without change. And, 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 and the reason why it's so important not to give up before you grow up is because you've never been the you that you're becoming. So you don't even know what that looks like yet. So, so what you're saying you can't do, you can't really say you can't do it because you haven't been the you that's anointed to do it yet. Oh. I can't stay in this thing. I can't put up with this. I can't put up with that. You don't know what you can do because you ain't you yet. But if you stay in it, God will develop you and give you the ability to do things and to endure things that you could not do and the reward for staying in it. I hear God saying, don't be weary in doing good for in due season, you're going to reap if you don't give up. So the first rule, the first thought is you and I cannot give up until we grow up. I feel that. Some of you right now in your marriage, you're facing tall obstacles. You're facing tall mountains. And they seem bigger than you. But they won't be for long. God's going to do something in the inside of you. Can't wait to get to the next point. God's going to do something in the inside of you that enlarges your inside. He's going to enlarge your capacity. And now, and, and, and soon, and soon, that thing that you're staring at that seems like it is insurmountable, you're going to be bigger than, and you're going to be glad you stuck with it. Are we tracking together? Does that make sense? All right. Don't give up before you grow up. Number two, make marriage a mirror, not a window. Mirror. Not a window. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the discipline of allowing the tension in your marriage to produce reflection, not projection. Oh, no. See, a window, you look through at something else. A mirror, you look at yourself. One of the things I love about Jesus, I, you know, I got to tell you about Jesus. I, you know about Jesus. <laughs> but... Jesus never affirms my complaints about others. I've never gone to Jesus and said, Jesus, you know, man, I tell you, my, my wife or man, that person at the church or whatever. I've never done that. And Jesus says, oh, Teray, that's terrible. Shame on them. That has never happened. When I go to Jesus complaining he says something like, hey, Teray, why don't you take the beam out of your own eye so then you can see clearly, don't you love that about Jesus? Don't you love that Jesus is not a gossiper? That he won't like stroke you in the lowest version of you? Like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you have a right to be hurt. Oh, aren't you glad? I mean, he's a good, good father. He's a loving father. But every time I have a complaint about somebody, Jesus does not affirm me. He says, yeah, Teray, but, but what can you do? That's my child. I got them covered. But what can you do? So, so, so make marriage, make marriage 
a mirror, not a window. I don't want to be so distracted by looking at my spouse's faults that I miss my growth opportunity. Because one of the things that I've learned, and this is important, you can write this down. My maturity is connected to her imperfection. <laughs> my, my maturation needs her imperfection. Because if she was perfect, I couldn't grow. And if I was perfect, she couldn't grow. Are you tracking with me today? So I actually, I, I need, I actually need her imperfection because her imperfection pulls out a Jesus-sized version of me. I, I, I challenge you. This is homework. The moment that your spouse does something in some sort of way, it ends up irritating you. Look in the mirror. Because here's the truth. I'm going to let you. She won't say it or he won't say it. I'm going to let you. Know. There's stuff that you do that irritates them too. God. God. How, who do I need to be to navigate their imperfection? Not God. I feel the spirit. Can I speak in tongues in here? I, I just. You know. Not God. Oh, we got some tongue talkers in here. You spirit-filled bunch, you. <laughs> no, not, try this. Not God fix her. God give me the capacity. No, not give me. God release the capacity that you have placed in me to deal with what I'm complaining about. I feel the Holy Spirit. God does not honor and reward complainers. God, if you gave me this spouse, if you gave me this person, there is an anointing on the inside of me to handle anything that comes with her. If you believe it, take about three seconds and praise God for giving you capacity that you don't even know you have yet. You've got capacity. More than what you think. And the enemy is a liar. And he will tell you you can't take it. And if I was the devil, I would tell you that you cannot take it right when you were on the cusp of a breakthrough that would revolutionize your entire generation. You got to understand the timing of the attack. The enemy's resources are limited. So when he rolls up on you hard, it's because you're in the middle. You're getting ready to burst through and everything is getting ready to change. And you got to recognize that. I do have what it takes. I can take it. Stop saying I can't take it. <laughs> now the obvious things, we're mature. I'm not talking about abuse of any form. Let's just qualify that because the enemy is slick. Hello, somebody. The enemy is slick and so are we. And we'll try to put that word on you now. You know you can't go nowhere. Uh, you put your hands on me. Watch how fast I go. You have never seen anybody go as fast as I will go. And if you put your words on me real good too, 
Amen. I better move on. And so, don't give up before you grow up. Talking about the tension, what to do in the tension, rules. The tension is normal. I need tension. What valuable thing in life is produced without tension? It is not foreign. I hear, I hear one of the writers saying, think it not strange. I think it was Peter or James. Or just read the whole Bible, you'll find it. But he said, think it. <laughs> he said, think it not strange. Concerning the fiery trial as if some strange thing happened to you. He's like, who, who lied to you and told you that this is strange? Just because it's pain doesn't mean it's strange. It's, it's part of the refiner's process, right? So don't give up before you grow up. Two, make marriage a mirror, not a window. And then three, and this is my favorite one. Sparring in marriage is okay, but never compete. Sparring, sparring. When you think about sparring and boxing, the person that you are sparring with is on your side. That's why it is a sparring partner. I believe in moments of tension, it is okay to spar as long as you spar with an understanding that, that can you imagine sparring and then the, the, the person, your sparring partner, knocks you out? I mean, that person had something in his heart. <laughs> no, no, it's okay to spar. Listen, Jacob wrestled with God. Re wrestling is okay, but, but there have to be rules to wrestling, right? First of all, everybody, all parties involved <laughs> need to understand that this is just, we, we are just trying to develop something. So, so, so you can't be sparring and the other person fighting. And an environment, it's okay to spar. I love what my wife talked about earlier. She talked about speaking up, not being silent. Yes. Can I just be honest for a second? My wife said no. Can I be honest a little bit? So I like, like, listen, in another life, I was an attorney. And my wife calls me an attorney now because I will bring in facts, <laughs> evidence, witnesses <laughs> over what we're going to see, what we're going to watch at the movies tonight. You know, I will bring in everything. I will plead my case. We will have a jury trial. And my wife early on was just the opposite. She, anything that looks like it is confrontational at all and confrontation is not a bad thing. It's just how you do it, right? God confronts us all the time. Life confronts us. So it's not a bad thing. You have to face things, right? To confront, to front, to face something. You got to do that in marriage. Can't see sorry. But anyway, my wife, she didn't like do that. And so I'd be over there like, baby, and, and it's just my personality. I'm passionate. I got 11 years in business. I'm entre that's just who I am. I'm a negotiator. That's who I, that's what I do. <laughs> and I would ultimately be trying to, to, to get us to something. And for me, the something would just be unity in some sort of way. And, and she would just like shut down. So I'm in there sparring and she's just standing there. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. It was my fault. 
Because if I'm going to draw her into sparring, I've got to create an environment where she feels comfortable and she feels safe. She's got to know that her words matter, that she matters, and that I'm not fighting her as my opponent. There's only one opponent, and that opponent is disconnection. That's what we're fighting against. It is disunity. And so after a while, you know, I drew in, and so I switched the game up a little bit. And I started like, you know, I just changed my, I changed the way I engage her, I approach her. And now she, she, she starts the sparring sometimes now. But it's amazing because we're not trying, we're not competing against each other. And we're not trying to be right. We are wrestling. Come on, like Jacob and God. We are wrestling because if we don't deal with this, then there's going to be a disconnect in our marriage. And if you leave just a little bit of room, something unsaid, it gives the enemy a foothold in our life. What am I saying? How do I tie this up and wrap it in a bow and allow you to take it home? What I'm saying is, it's the you factor. I have to become something. No, I get to become something that I could never become outside the context of marriage. Why marriage? Because of the proximity. There's no other relationship on the planet that will force you to look at yourself like marriage. Marriage is more about looking at you than it is about looking at anybody else. Don't give up before you grow up. Marriage is all about growth. Growth that you would never sign yourself up for. You would never grow in these areas. In fact, you wouldn't even know that you need to grow in these areas. So if you feel the tension, if you feel the pressure, God's trying to grow you. He's trying to cause you to be something. And when you become it, you can pass it on to your kids. There's some people in here, and you're going to start a whole new thing in the back line of your family. Make marriage a mirror. I'm going to look at me. I'm not going to look at her. I'm not going to look at him. When there's an issue, the first person I'm going to look at is myself. God, who do I need to be? And then I'm okay with sparring. I'm okay with speaking up as long as I know who my opponent is. Now, I want to pray for you. And I'm trying to figure out the best way to do this. Why don't we all stand for a second? Marriage is all about you. But God, he did this. But God, she did that. God, he never, Lord, she never. God is saying, but what about you? Who do you need to be to facilitate their growth? Can you be a reflection of me in that relationship? If you're here and you say, Pastor, I get it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to work on becoming. I'm going to work on me. I'm convicted, not condemned, 
I'm convicted. I've been looking at this thing the wrong way. And I subscribe to the, the notion, to the idea that it was too hard. I was getting ready to give up and I hear God saying, if you would just allow me to grow you up, it'll be worth it. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for this moment that you brought us into, God, this incredible conference. So much information. So much impartation. So much revelation. And God, now what we want is transformation. We acknowledge, Lord, that salvation is the first step transformation is the destiny God we thank you for the person that you have placed in our lives they're not perfect nor are we but you gave them to us now God give me the fortitude give me the strength give me the determination not to quit but to embrace the growth that I need in order to be who you created me to be. And God, any place where I have fallen short of that, forgive me. Father, I pray, God, if there's healing that needs to take place, if I've been impatient with my spouse, if I've been overly critical, forgive me and let a healing take place. As what was prayed earlier, we're going to forget those things that are behind. And we're going to step into this new reality, this new season, this new commitment to love better. Even through the tension. Especially in the tension. Make us better. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love you.